Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And this week we're going to talk about families because there's a holiday coming up next week that we will not be podcasting during. So sorry guys, but no podcast next week, but we'll still do this week. But Thanksgiving next week and with Thanksgiving you usually get around with a family. Who knows with people with COVID this year, if people actually gather or not. I'd say more than likely they probably still will. Um, but with that, it was the inspiration of let's talk about different families in comic books. Uh, and I will go first with the first family of comics, also known as Fantastic Four, FF, uh, stands for First Family or Fantastic Four, whichever we prefer. They first appeared in 1961 in Fantastic Four number one, or the Fantastic Four number one. Uh, it was like after, I think they said four or five issues, they just dropped the the. Like, nope, it's just Fantastic Four now. Who cares about the the? But yeah, it's Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Ben Grimm, and... Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm. Storm. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah. it is the Human Torch, but I was drawing a blank on his name. Uh, so yeah, they're the first family to be the Fantastic Four, where Reed and Sue got married. They've had kids. They have two kids, Franklin and Val. And they all consider each other family, and they all live in the same house or more just city skyscraper building of the Baxter building and they're yeah they're considered by most the first family of comics yes sue and um johnny are brother and sister too right sue and johnny are brother and sister and ben is uncle ben he's the chosen family like oh they because he was the pilot for their mission and was like best friends with reed while growing up in, in college and everything and he's the yeah the adopted family yeah, and Reed kind of blames himself for all of them getting their powers, but especially Ben, since he was mutated as much as he was. So right. I think that's another reason why Reed is really careful to be like, you are definitely my brother, you're my family. I messed you up, and I'm willing to take, can, what is it, responsibility for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't his fault. Like, yes, it was his mission, but like, he couldn't predict cosmic rays or whatever, whichever iteration guilty. they use. Or at least when I, whatever thing I read made me feel like Reed feels guilty and so he's extra careful right. to look for things for, for Grimm. Yeah, just anytime you call yourself the thing, like that's kind of, oh, you're just a freaky thing. Like not even a full, cool name, like, oh, Mr. Fantastic, which is kind of presumptuous also, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> that is kind of Reed. <laughs> yeah. Human Torch, all right, that, it, he lights up on fire, and sure, that makes sense. Invisible Woman, yeah, she goes invisible, so. But then, just the thing. It's like, eh, kind of, a, like, great names, and then I'll just destroy myself with my own name, sort of thing. Self-deprecating. Yeah, and we've seen multiple movies, and... Some enjoyably so. Yeah. Um, the first two movies, I was okay with. They were campy, but they were fun. They were very much a product of their time. Yeah. But then the newest one was absolutely garbage. I didn't make it through. I made it halfway and I shut it off. I went to the theaters to see the movie to tell people specifically not to see it. And I was like, all right. At that point, Rotten Tomatoes had like a 20% or 14%, like worse than Batman Forever. And Batman Returns, like worse than all the anything Wait, else. What? When was Batman Returns bad? Uh, it depends on who you ask. That's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, depends on who you ask. But it was, be- it was still... Just found out it was bad taste. worse than Batman Forever. <laughs> forever had the bad nipples, right? No, I think... Uh, or was that, was that Return? I think that was Forever. It was either Forever or Batman and Robin. Ah, uh, whichever one it was. Yeah. It was worse than all of those. Like, it was absolutely awful movie. And 
it's now on Disney Plus, I believe. If you want to truly waste time in your life. Oh, do we? <laughs> I, I'm going to say that's a you have it on DVD at oh, that okay. point then. Well, well, what's mine is yours, and what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. Yeah, I so, said that all backwards. So what's but... yours is yours. What's yeah. mine is mine. What's mine is what's mine is ours, and what's yours is yours. So that one is definitely all yours. <laughs> I do not want to have any responsibility for owning that one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, terrible movie, absolutely awful. But the first two were fine, and they were the first family. And when Disney bought Fox, hey, we are uncanceling the Fantastic Four comic books. What are the odds? They canceled the books for a while, and then they bought Fox. Like, okay, well, we're bringing it back now. All right, who wants to go next for their? family uh, i'll go next um mine was uh the flash but not barry allen mine was wally west in his flash run uh, he started out as kid flash and teamed with the teen titans back in the day uh, when he grew up he married a woman named linda park who was an investigative journalist and they had two kids uh, jay and iris basically right before infinite crisis and uh, Wally disappeared in Infinite Crisis. Bart Allen took over. Or basically, Linda and their two kids also disappeared during Infinite Crisis. And uh, when Bart Allen was killed, they were flashless for a little bit, but the Justice League brought back Wally West, along with the Legion of Superheroes in, I think the story arc was called the Lightning Saga. Well, it brought back Linda and uh, Jay and Iris also, and they found out that the kids were rapidly aging. Basically, they were a year old, but looked and acted like they were eight years old. So, but they still had the child, you know, they they were learned, but not Their bodies mature. were advanced, but their minds weren't. Yes, to a degree. I mean, they were still maturing and everything like that, but they were still acting very young. And it turns out that they were aging rapidly because of their powers and everything and um during the story arc when he came back he came back on like issue 231 of the flash run and it ended at 247 so it was a really short run and a lot of people don't even remember that whole (laughs) section but uh um it was about the time when barry allen came back also and they did the brightest day the flash run at that point which was barry allen but uh uh, Iris was aging rapidly because she was starting to tap into the speed force and she was becoming a young woman then she was becoming elderly and Wally went into the speed force with them and cured them pretty much so he was using them to fight crime and everything like that and save people so it was a good run it was fun a good short run yeah a good or short run maybe it was longer but just the speed force messed yeah, that could up be. and that's why it, it, could be. It, it seemed so short I think in one of the later things they brought them back for a little bit and i think iris was impulse for a little bit because i can remember her in the impulse costume but i don't remember the story at all so it's one i'm gonna have to dig out and find and report back yep but they were fighting an alien invasion that was dealing with hallucinations so the justice league was like fighting aliens but it was all a hallucination for them sounds familiar yeah. Kind of like, you know, Old Man Logan. Yeah, a little bit. Ask. All right, so Laura, what is one of your families? Obviously, I got to start with Spider-Man. He's always been, I feel like, one of the first heroes that when you think of family and responsibility and stuff, you think of Spider-Man. Um, in the beginning, he was, when he was just still just Peter Parker, he was raised by kind of a, a different family than most people 
consider, especially at that time back in the 60s, he was raised by his Aunt May and Uncle Ben because his parents had already presumably been deceased. In most stories, they're deceased. And it's interesting to me how, especially in the beginning, he was always so focused on, I have to do all these things to make sure Aunt May's safe. I have to make sure that I don't startle her because she's elderly and her, her heart can't take it. And he was always very concerned about his family. And then later on in his storyline, things progressed and he, I'm going to skip way ahead, when he married Mary Jane, a lot of people were like, oh, well, Spider-Man's getting older and he should have his own family. He should have a baby. Like, all these things should happen. It just, it makes sense. After you get married, you have kids. And then that was a big controversy when Baby May existed for a while in the normal universe, as, as a fetus still. But there was so much controversy about how much she, they said Baby May should have stayed and Aunt May should have finally passed along and that should have been the new family to focus on. And especially during the Clone Saga, everyone's like, this was perfect. Like, he didn't have to lose his responsibility as a superhero. The clone Ben Riley could take over as Spider-Man and Peter Parker and Mary Jane could go off and raise Baby May. And that's kind of how the whole Marvel 2 universe erupted with Spider-Girl and that whole another sort of version of that family. All right, and my second family of this, actually I should just say beforehand, uh, Laura got cut off there a little bit because we had our power just went out on our recording stuff, so we're going to just, we're all edit, jump, just jump right in. So, my second pick is the family from Saga. It's uh, Elena, Alana, do you know which? I always pronounced it Elena. Elena, sure. Uh, and Marco, that's an easy name to pronounce. Yep. And their daughter Hazel, another easy name. Um, and I like to have it where, I guess, slight spoiler alert, while they had the babysitter, Isabel, the ghost that was around, um, I like that whole dynamic of the mother, daughter, or mother, father, and then the child with a ghost babysitter, like, oh, it's fun to see, there's, she's bound to the child, so we'll forever be with her, well, sort of, (laughs) and, like, her story itself, the Isabel, is really tragic. Like she was, uh, she died via a landmine, and her lower torso is gone, even in ghost form. So you just see like her stomach, and then just a whole bunch of guts hanging out, like just that never fall because she's a ghost. It's very odd for me. Like really, that's how ghosts work. Like however your body ends up dying, that's what your ghost form is. Maybe she chose that. Maybe she liked it. Maybe I guess, but it was one of those like oh. You'd think that would, you know, traumatize a child, but, I mean, to be fair, Hazel does go through a lot in her lifetime, so. If you're used to it from a young age, I think you get used to it. Kids bounce back. It'll yeah. be fine. Yep. Not traumatizing at all. No, it'll be fine. Uh, but, yeah, it's a cool dynamic between them and having the forever teenage babysitter that's a ghost sticking around and helping raise Hazel and... Helping the parents become parents also, too. Like, they've never had a kid before, and she's like, well, I sort of am recently a kid, still, kind of. Like, I don't I don't know if they say how long she's been a ghost. Not a clue. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think they... That but, yeah, it, that's, and that's from, again, that's from Saga. If you haven't read Saga, then you should. Um, I know probably most of our listeners have. I don't know, Al, I don't know if Al Gerding has read it yet. Al, you should. So, yeah, Al, <laughs> you, you like to listen to our advice. You should at least read volume one. 
Yeah, it's, I admit it's adult. Like, it definitely starts out adult and it stays like you, you see things. Like, it is. It's a hard R. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny and it's good. It's kind of, what do they call it? Um, Romeo and Juliet a little bit in space. That's basically what I've said. It's Romeo and Juliet in space and like. Again, hard R, but at least the first volume is ten dollars. It's only nine ninety nine for the first volume. Right. Yeah, it's very reasonably priced and totally worth it. Yeah. So that would be my second family is from Saga. Jared, what is next up on your list? All right, uh, mine is the Superman family. Um, you can't talk about uh, superhero families without mentioning the Superman family, and uh, it starts out with Jor El and Laura. Uh, or Laura Lore Van, and they had a child on Krypton. The planet was going kablooey, and they sent the child off in a rocket to Earth, where he was found by Jonathan and Martha Kent, who raised uh, Clark Kent, Kal-El, into becoming Superman. And it turns out he has a cousin that was sent to Earth also, uh, Kara Zorel, which was Jor-El's brother. Well, his brother's kid. Uh, yeah, his brother's kids. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, later on, they have a when Superman was killed, and they did the saga of the Superman. Superboy made his debut. Uh, Connor Kent. He was a clone of Superman, who was half Kryptonian and half human. The other half uh, was uh, Lex Luthor. Wait, how do you have three halves? Well, the human part was Luthor. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. The math. They're thirds. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he eventually marries Lois Lane, the longtime love interest of Superman, and they have a kid together named Jonathan Kent, who is currently in the Superman family as Superboy. And they also have a dog named Crypto, and his stories are the best out of all the Superman family members. I'm willing to agree to that. I'm so. willing to agree that the dog is the best part of Superman because I'm not a fan of Superman. There was an issue a while back. It was all crypto. Basically, it was from his point of view and everything. I don't know if it was in Superman or Action Comics or what, but I remember reading the issue, and it was one of the best Superman comics out there. I don't know if I... Was that the one that like they didn't even have like anybody speaking? Yeah, there was no because, dialogue. Because, because it, was it was from the dog's from, point of view. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know English. Yeah. I mean, he didn't know some words. Yeah. Stay. Sit. Attack. <laughs> Shoot lasers out of your eyes. Kryptonite. Kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, Superman family. So, with Superman, when they launched him into a rocket, were they specifically targeting Earth, or were they just saying, like, was it just a, it happened to be Earth sort of thing? I think in, like, Superman's Secret Origins comic, it was aimed at Earth. I don't know about the original comic where he was put in the rocket and just, like, he could have been just shot into space and... Here, kid, let's hope for the best. Right, because he's know. just shot into space. That's not but really any I better. I think they would be... I think they actually targeted Earth because he would blend in. With he, he would look like a human and everything like that, so... And in order to have Supergirl also go to the same planet, you'd think, like, oh, well, he's going there, we should go there, too. Yeah, sort of thing. yep. I think in one incarnation, uh, Supergirl was sent about the same time, but she was a teenager at the time, and she crash-landed, or was... She took the long way to get Yeah, to she Earth. took the long way, and she was in, like, hibernation, so she didn't age while Clark Kent did. So he was an adult, and she, when she came around, he was she was looking for a, uh, a an infant. Right. So, 
there was that strange dynamic of Kara's actually older than him, but she's a teenager, you know. Well, it could have been that it was also because his was a birthing pod and hers was just hibernation. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that could have had an effect on it, just the right. way it's supposed to be, the way it's supposed to work. Right. So I don't know about the early incarnations of Supergirl. I haven't read a whole lot of those. So that could have been a completely different dynamic. I don't know. All right, Laura, what's next on your list? Um, I think that at the risk of sounding like I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to still talk about Family Business, which was a <laughs> Spider-Man graphic novel that came out around, I think it was 2014. I'll double check just for the heck of it, because it's on this page that's stuck together right here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, 2014 was when Family Business first came out. I believe there are still copies on the shelf at Alter Ego if you want to read it. I admit the main thing I remember about this story was anger, but mainly it was because the the main premise in this that helps the plot go along is that suddenly Peter Parker has a sister, Teresa Parker, and they she's a CIA agent. Sorry if I stumbled over that. CIA agent. And she finds Peter and is like, we need to get things done, we need to stop the kingpin, we need to do all this stuff, we're going to globetrot all across the world, and we're going to do all these things, and the whole time I'm like, no, Spider-Man doesn't have a sister. What is going on? Why is this happening? And I'm going to risk spoilers, because it's been out for, for six years, and I think that they've mentioned it a few times in the current issues of Amazing Spider-Man as well, that Teresa Parker is not his sister. It was a whole mind wipe thing she was brainwashed to believe she was his sister so that's why she bought into it so well and another point towards peter parker being like all about family all about responsibility and not not even caring that it's not his sister even in the current comic book line a lot of times he's like oh yeah that's my sister i mean not really but that's my sister and he treats her like that and i think that's an amazing thing about spider-man that he doesn't even mind so much that she lied to him, but she, she didn't know she was lying at the time either, so that's part of it. So I bring that up as another facet of family, the family business. I encourage people to read it to because I understand that just because I didn't like it and it made me mad the whole time that this isn't his sister, but now I've, I could probably get over it. I should have reread it for this week, but it's a good example of how Spider-Man, even if you're not really family, he's probably going to adopt you. You're going to become his family. If you meet Spider-Man, odds are your family. And the good thing with that one, too, is the fact that it is self-contained. You don't need anything before or after. It's very much like, oh, here you go. This was one graphic novel. Have fun with it. Yeah, I think even in the graphic novel, it says that she's not his sister. Like, completely wipes itself. It's totally self-contained. Doesn't have anything to do with the universe of Spider-Man. Self-wiping TP. Yeah. Teresa Parker. Oh, yeah, that was a joke from another podcast. She's toilet paper. Because they were so mad, too. And my final main family for this week is from The Walking Dead. And it's kind of a triangle-ish sort of thing. Uh, it is with Rick and Lori, their kids Carl and Judith. But then there's also Shane that hooks up with Lori while Rick is, quote, dead, but not actually dead. And in the comics, Judith could have been Shane's. Yeah, we have no clue. Well, even in the show, they don't really say one way or the other of who the the father of Judith is. It's The timing could have been Car Rick's or it could have been Shane's. We don't actually know. But it's definitely like, oh, it was a good family. Like, 
while before the apocalypse times, they were all friends with each other. Like Shane was considered like Rick's brother and he was a police officer partner and like all, all things were good. Um, they thought Rick would died in a car accident, but he was just in a coma. No, he and, was shot. Or he was shot, that's right. Line of duty. He was shot, and he was in a coma still. Yeah. And Shane was supposed to go back and save him. Said that, nope, we can't, he's already dead, too bad, but he was actually fine. Which, I still question, if you're in a coma, how long are you in a coma? Like, it had to been a short one. Yeah, I mean, because... he had to wake up pretty quickly, because who was giving him feeding tubes and stuff like that? And just and... his muscle would have... The muscle mass would have deteriorated yeah. from not moving and everything, atrophy too. atrophy and everything. Right. So. Isn't that how it begins? Like, Rick wakes up and he's like, I was in a coma and now everyone's a zombie. What pretty much, yeah. Okay. So, I wondered if I was crazy. He's still in that coma. But, like, for, <laughs> yeah, but for waking up in that coma, from that coma, like, he was still moving around pretty good for, because you assume civilization would crumble. Like, it would take, like... It would take a little while for it to be that bad. Yeah. So, let's say a month. But, yeah, who was feeding him? Who was doing, like, who maybe, was doing anything? And how was he able to move that fast, too? Maybe it was a, an induced coma, and the a nurse who was staying there finally just said, you know what, I'm going to wake him up. Here's the drugs. I'm out. Or you just this, the lack of drugs woke him up. Well, that could be. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But it was still one of those things I always, like, that's still that timeline is still a little weird, but it's a comic book, so and it's yeah. a world with zombies. So if you're questioning about a coma in a world of zombies, you have bigger problems to worry about, right? But yeah, it was always an interesting family of like Rick would always it was always Rick taking care of Carl, and it was Rick's story until it wasn't, which only lasted one issue after he died. Spoiler alerts, I guess that he died at the end of the series. It's been out for about a year now, so it is what it is. Yeah. And he's dead in the show, theoretically. Uh, no, he's not dead in the show. He's oh. just written off to do the movies. He's sleeping. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I haven't watched the shows. Yeah. I haven't watched all those. His last appearance there. in the show was he was taken off in a helicopter, and the show did a time jump of like another five or ten years, and oh. he's still not there. So. Okay, I saw knows. a YouTube clip of him on a bridge with a yeah, steel he, barb through his gut and everything. And he and blew like, it oh. up. He blew up the yeah. bridge. Everyone thought he dead, but they never found his body. It's because there's one girl that rescued him and captured him and we don't know what's happened we'll see in the movie all right movie who knows yeah (laughs) the movie's supposed to set up the new walking dead tv show the world beyond so we have the walking dead fear the walking dead whatever the one is right now yeah i don't know it's a mess (laughs) they're really milking that one out but the original family from the walking dead of them was was a pretty good i don't know a pretty good staple for the show yeah and the books yeah, in the apocalypse, you need family. Yeah. yeah in Why the are books, you going on? it was a great family until the prison scenes. Well, I mean, that's what destroyed the family was the whole prison where uh, Judith got murdered while... Well, Lori was, Lori was running holding, away with they, Judith and... They both got shot. By a tank. Yeah. So they, they kind of exploded. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, Jared, what is your last family for this one? Okay. Uh, my final... Actually, I want to do an honorable mention real quick was the Shazam family. Um, there was Billy Batson as Shazam, Mary Marvel, Freddie Freeman. Uh, then there was a lot of people won't recognize these if they're old school Shazam, because I think you they mean deb- Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yep. But uh, th- they debuted in Flashpoint and were kind of carried over from there. Was uh, Pedro Pena, and he was the one in the green suit. Uh, Darla Dudley, the purple suit. Eugene Choi was in the silver or gray. And 
um, they were uh, his foster siblings from the new 52 or Rebirth or whatever, the current run, I believe. But, uh, yeah, and then they had a talking tiger who was able to stand like a human named Talkie Tawny, if that's pronounced correct. Sure. So that's my honorable mention, mention but uh, my last pick is the Batman family. Had uh, Bruce Wayne being Batman, obviously. He raised uh, Dick Grayson to be Robin and who eventually became Nightwing. And in some universes then became Batman. And then became Batman for a little while and back to Nightwing. And then he was Grayson from the Secret it, Agent. And it's everything, yeah. Then he had his head shot by, most recently and lost his memory. And he's got that back and he's Nightwing again. Then there was Jason Todd, who was uh, the second Robin after Night- Dick Grayson became Nightwing, <clears throat> and he was killed by the Joker. And in Death in the Family. In Death in the Family, and he was brought back to life by the Lazarus Pit, I believe. That sounds right. Also, he wasn't killed by Joker. He was killed by the fans by the... that voted for him to die. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yep. Did they really do yeah, that? Oh, yeah. They did the, the time, call in votes. There was a 1-800 number, like, call this number if you want him to survive. Call this number if you want him to die. Wow. Very, very hands-down win for him to be killed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so Harsh. It's, it's the fans' fault for that one. Yeah, but he came back and is Red Hood, and everyone loves Jason Todd now as Red Hood. So, makes a great character for it, it, kind of an anti-hero who goes around. He's like a Batman who kills people. He's a great Red Hood. He was yeah. a terrible Robin, but a great Red Hood. Yep. I even read Red Hood for a while, and I'm not a DC person. Yeah. So. And uh, then Tim Drake became Robin. Well, before that, there, Barbara Gordon was Batgirl. And then you had Betty Kane and Kate, Gain, Kate Kane as Batwoman and everything. But Barbara Gordon's probably the most popular Batgirl. Uh, she was Jim Gordon's daughter. Um, then we had, uh, Tim Drake come in as Robin. Or Red Robin. And then later on, Red Robin. Which is a terrible Red, name. Yeah. <laughs> well, All I can think of is Red Robin. Yum. Yeah. yeah isn't so. that copyrighted? How'd they get away with that? Yeah. But, uh, I always liked Tim. Tim was always one of my favorite Robins. He had a great dynamic with Bruce and a great dynamic with Dick Grayson even. But, uh, uh, when Barbara Gordon was shot in The Killing Joke and paralyzed, she became Oracle. Then later on, they needed a new Batgirl. So they had Cassandra Kane, who was... I can't remember the villain's daughter. Yeah, I... I, I can't think of yeah, what it no was. But uh, she was basically raised as an assassin and had all those skills. She couldn't talk for a while. And then she learned to talk and was had the dynamic with the Bat family. But she still talks minimally. Yeah, she talks minimally. I always yeah. felt like Batman wasn't a big talker either, so... No, just gr- grunted and cussed at people a lot. <laughs> So, um, after she, I don't remember why she quit being Batgirl, but Stephanie Brown, who was spoiler, like a love interest to Tim Drake, um, who actually Stephanie was Robin first. She became Batgirl later on. So there was a time when Tim Drake quit being Robin and Stephanie stepped in, but then she screwed up. So Batman fired her. (laughs) Then Tim Drake came back, but uh, she became Batgirl for a while and was teaming with Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, as her, like, their, her person at the computer, so, and then we had the most recent, Damian Wayne, who is the current Robin, whose mother is Talia al Ghul of the League of Assassins, who's, 
his grandfather is Ra's al Ghul, or Ra's al Ghul, however, however you no want to pronounce the, it. Yeah, no yeah. clue what the correct pronunciation so, is. I go by Batman the Animated Series, Ra's. Works for me. <laughs> so, they also had Alfred the Butler as part of the family. Uh, and... I, was about to, I was making sure that you were going to mention oh, Alfred. Yeah. And uh, the other one on my list was Ace the Dog. And Ace the Bat Hound. The Bat Hound. So... So yeah, that's the that's whole a, bat family. Yeah, bat family is pretty big, and that's not even everybody. Right. So because now they have like the signal and yeah. uh, bat wing. Bat wing. Terrible name. Yeah. That's a plane. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah, that's the bat family. There's a long list of people in that one. So. Commissioner, I would say Commissioner Gordon's part. I would of put. Too. I put. I'd put him in there since but, he's the one that actually uses the signal to say, "Hey, yeah. I need your help." And Leslie Thompson, the his uh, healer. The doctor who always patches them up. Yeah. So the list could go on, but that list is already huge. <laughs> it just felt like I was listing people <laughs> right there. <laughs> All right, Laura, what's up on your list for families? I'm going to steal Jared's, um, shoot, his idea and do an honorable mention first. Because I wanted to mention um, the Osborne family too, just a little bit, especially... And I, I think I can say this sort of as half a spoiler with kindred lately, and especially since kindred does mean kind of family siblings related in some way. That's been a big arc going on in the current Amazing Spider-Man stories, and we know that it's connected heavily to Norman Osborn, and his famous family is, you know, his... I think it's only his divorced wife, but I forget sometimes. Sometimes she's dead. It depends which story arc. I have arc no in. clue. Okay, I know in like the animated series they're divorced. In Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark, the Broadway play, she was dead, and that was part of like why Norman went crazy as he did. He was actually trying to bring her back and finish their work together and all that stuff. And so by they... she, you mean his wife? Yeah, sorry. Um, I don't forget know her, name. her name. I have no clue what her name is. <laughs> I should have Googled this. Mrs. Norman. Yeah, Mrs. Norman Osborne, Harry's mother. And that's a big reason why I feel like in the comics, Harry's a little iffy because his mom isn't very present in his life. Although, wait, in one of the... She comes back in some story I think she's. Arc. I think she's alive yeah. in the comics now because she helps being a babysitter slash grandma yeah. for Normie. Yeah, she like almost kidnapped the kids at some point. But yeah, that branching into that family, Harry... Eventually, at some point, married Liz Allen. Emily Lyman. That was... Good job, Jared. I don't know why I didn't My just let you Google skills. That's right, because... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good Oracle. Harry went by Lyman for a while instead yeah. of Osborne, because like, nope, I want to break away from... My, my dad. I got confused when that stopped. I thought he was still doing it, like, presently, but he's kind of crazy right now, near as I can tell. I don't know. <laughs> just don't worry about it too much. Just yeah. Just be along for the ride yeah. in Marvel. It's comics. Who knows? But yeah, Harry married Liz and had Normie. Shoot, I, I left a space here because I was supposed to also Google. They had another baby in the last five years or so, and I can't remember its name. But Normie kind of hates it because he's like, I don't want a little brother, blah, blah, blah. But I, I kind of was bringing this up to also dovetail back into the Marvel 2 universe and be like, Normie gets raised and because of his family values, he's still, you know, a crazy goblin. And in the Spider-Girl comics, he kidnaps her and kidnaps Spider-Girl Mayday Parker. And there's a whole story there that is one of my favorite runs in that series. So that's another family issue. 
and Mayday actually like brings him back and convinces him to let her go and he's because she says remember when we were kids we played in the sandbox like we were raised together we're practically family like I don't have a brother but you're as close as I got so don't kill me so that was a great family dynamic there for an honorable mention, that got really that long. A, that's, Sorry. That was a big one. <laughs> so I guess I kind of have four. Should I? Yeah, do you have another going. one? Or just keep on going. Go. I have a list of honorable, so I'll, just, I'll <laughs> wrap it up with that. Sorry, I kind of took okay. this off just, the rails. Again, keep going. Just get going. Just, okay. just shut up and talk. So the other, <laughs> shut up and talk. <laughs> the other more controversial family that I kind of wanted to bring up, I'm, I'm a little torn, but I'm going to go for it. Um, Spider-Woman, I should have looked up when this came out. It's been a couple of years ago, at least, though. Um, there was a whole run of Spider-Woman that the only reason I got into it, I try to stay focused on collecting just Spider-Man because there are so many Spider-People right now. It's, it's... It gets expensive. Yeah, we don't have children because we have comic books. That's a part of what's going on. But I got the Spider-Man issue, or Spider-Woman issues, because she was pregnant. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Let's see where they're going with this. And then, spoilers, where they went with it was that she decided that, you know, I'm alone. I'm tired of being alone. I can get artificially inseminated. I can have this baby. I want to have a family. I want to have it all. I want to be a superhero and have a kid. And part of me is, like, really irritated by that. Like, I feel like it's so irresponsible. It's against the whole, my idea of what spider people do. Because, you know, Spider-Man's all about, with great power comes great responsibility. And in my mind, it's like, you chose to have a child when you don't know if you're coming home every night. Like, you could get killed at any moment. There were a few times in the crossover where, I think it was Spider-Geddon, where she was doing the time jumping, time traveling, and she even mentioned a few times, I need to get home and breastfeed this baby. It needs some milk. Like, luckily, she also has a character who gets really well-developed in that Spider-Woman arc from whenever ago it was. Um, Porcupine? I forget his name. Roger, I think it was. Pretty sure it was Roger. It's but, Porcupine, though. Yeah, he, he essentially becomes her live-in man-nanny. I forget if they become more than that. I do think that they evolve. But it's like after he, she thinks he's dead. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I didn't realize I was in love with him until he was dead. And it's like, that's a bad time to realize you're in love with someone. Like, do you really feel it? Or do you just feel guilty? Like, what's going on here? So I guess overall, I was really, I, I keep, I continue to recommend things that irritate me. Because I'm pretty sure... Other normal people will actually enjoy this series, enjoy all these stories that just make me think too hard. All right. <laughs> That's Spider-Woman. Yep. Uh, I'm going to do a rapid fire honorable mentions of, we got Vision and the Scarlet Witch, where it had, they had their own little pocket dimension, House of M, where they ended up having kids, and we're going to get that TV show, I believe, in January, is with them, with having kids and everything. Uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey, or Cyclops and Jean Grey, or, or Jean Grey and Wolverine, or Cyclops and Madeline Pryor, or that whole mess. But they also had kids of Cable, X-Man, and, uh, Rachel Summers, which Cable and X-Man, they're, like, Cable's their actual son, but X-Man was their, uh, Mr. Sinister, took their DNA, like, oh, here, we're having, you're having an artificial baby with your DNA. 
So one is Nate Summers, the other one is Nate Gray. It's like, that's not confusing at all. I always get the two mixed up. I don't know which one's which, but whatevs. Uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, they have a daughter named Danielle. Uh, Danielle is named after uh, Iron Fist, Danny Rand. They're like, oh, in honor of him, you're our best, the best man, or like our best friend. We're naming our kid after you. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that either until I did a quick Google search. I was like, I know they have a kid. What's the kid's name? And I said, oh, it's based off of Danny Rand. That makes sense. And then the last one I'm surprised Laura didn't mention was an Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. I was supposed to mention that. It's on my list. Um, it was behind the microphone. Where Peter Barker and Mary Jane and the world of No More Brand New Day of that, like when they stayed together and they had a kid, that was Renew Your Vows world. Anime. Anime. But then also going back to Mayday. I'm surprised you didn't mention that world either. Of I did, but the computer died while I was doing okay. it. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I and I, I kind of mentioned it with Normie, too. Yeah. I so. mentioned it twice, but once it got eaten. So that is our, those are our families for this week, slash this year. We'll see. We'll see when we discuss families next time. Yeah, Christmas is coming. Yeah. Winter is coming. Uh, so with that, we'll move on to our pick comic books of the week. Um, I'll do my honorable mention first. Actually, no, I'll do my honorable mention. I'll go last in that case. So, Jared, why don't you do your honorable mention? Okay, my honorable mention was Batman number 103. It's Batman versus the Ghost Maker versus the Clown Hunter versus the for the soul of the city. And it has the go- newer character called the Ghost Maker, which is kind of a mix of Deadpool and Moon Knight. Yeah, a little bit. This is what the costume that's, looks that's like. That's what it least. looks like, yeah. And it shows that uh, he was part of Bruce's training from way back when, and he's a new character that shows up in present-day Gotham. It uh, guest stars Harley Quinn, who is being attacked by one of the thugs who's going after Jokers from the Joker War. Clown Hunter. Yeah, Clown Hunter. And there's a lot of good stuff in there. Harley Quinn really made this issue pop for me. Yeah, she was great. I loved her, like mooning she's like oh i picked this thing of poison ivy and it reminds me of old pamela and i hope she can hear me now and yeah meanwhile yeah. clown hunter is getting ready to like yep. attack her and everything yep so doesn't end too well for the clown hunter no <laughs> it was great she had some great stuff when it's definitely a rookie going up against a veteran like nah yeah. you chose poorly you bit <laughs> off too much more than you can chew on that one yep so yeah batman 103 it was a good fun issue um, it's hard to care about the Ghost Maker, but I think they're giving them a little bit more backstory this issue, and it helps out a lot. It definitely helps, yeah. Issue one or two is like, she showed up, and I'm like, I don't care. Right. But this issue, I kind of care a little bit more, so I liked him a lot more. Yeah, he reminded me of Dante from Clerks in this issue. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I forget what he said, but there was something that made me write that in my notes. I know there was a part where, like, Bruce was meditating on the anniversary of his parents dying and he's like no no tomorrow we'll deal with this tomorrow he's like no you can't choose when you fight me i'm I'm gonna fight you now no no we're waiting till tomorrow all right laura what is your honorable mention my honorable mention is marvel's voices um even though it was a bit of a struggle it's it's a lot of small little stories and it's some long essays too but a couple of the essays did stand out to me and there were a lot of Spider-Man references in this, so that's a big reason why I was like, oh, 
I do have to mention this. Um, especially one of the real essays went through how the author, I forget his name, but it turns out, ironically, when I first heard about Miles Morales being part black and part Hispanic, I was like, how many people does this apply to? Apparently a lot, because the guy who wrote this article was like, this is me, I'm Miles Morales, and I was so excited to find someone in comics who is just like me, and I was like, oh, I'm that jerk who doesn't know who, who to relate to. But I thought it was really awesome that this person wrote this whole essay about how they finally had someone to relate to in comics, and that's what this whole issue is about, like how people relate to their superheroes and how great it is to have a role model and all that. And there's even a little pun in here about Nick Fury and his depth perception. So you have to find it just to read that like six panel thing. So honorable mention, Marvel's Voices number one. And my honorable mention is Nightwing number 76. But before you go to that, Jared, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week was nineteen uh, Nightwing 76. 1976. Yes, 1976. Nightwing number 76. Uh, this issue has a flashback to where he was shot in the head in Batman, what was it, 55? Or... It was a long time ago. Yeah, it's been a, long, been a so, minute. But it, it, when he was shot, he was actually making a joke with Batman and Jim Gordon standing there on the rooftop. Uh, it was Batman 55. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I think I read that in this issue somewhere. It was like, oh, Very this, first hap- panel. Yeah, this happened back in 55. Months, months ago, Batman yeah. 55. Yep. But uh, he was in the middle of a joke, and they actually pay that joke off in this issue. <laughs> so, and it was a pretty corny, very Dick Grayson-y type of joke. So, it's very old school Dick Grayson. It was a dad joke. Yeah, it was a dad joke to to that point also. But, uh, yeah, Dick Grayson goes after KG Beast since KG Beast is uh, holding his current love interest hostage. His girlfriend. His girlfriend. And he goes ape crap on this guy and just shows KG Beast how strong Nightwing is and how weak KG Beast it really is. He beats him up while saying how bad he is the whole time. So, no spoilers, but that happens, I guess. Um, Yeah, this was a great issue, and it really sets up the future for Nightwing, and it's really exciting to see where they're going with this. So, Nightwing 76. Yeah, and one thing I did enjoy uh, was his girlfriend only knew him as Rick, and th- during this fight scene, he's like, oh, this is Dick Grayson. This is, like, a whole other person, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with who he is, and I'm... She's like, at the first previous issue, she was like, eh, I don't know if we can make it work. That's not the person I fell in love with, and this one's like, she's like, no, this I'm cool. I'm all in. Yep, she's actually saw who he is and how powerful he really is as a person, and... She's like, yeah, that's the guy right there. All right, Laura, what is your pick of the week? Okay, my real pick of the week is going to be Venom number 30. Um, Again, though, it's one of those love-hate relationships that I seem to have with all comics this week. Um, I was upset that it wraps everything up really, really fast. Like, I I kind of hate arcs where they spend a whole lot of time acting like, oh, how are we ever going to solve this problem? What are we going to do? We're going to draw it out for a really long time. And then in the last issue, they're like, oh, well, it turns out we can do this, 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 and this. And we got it. We're fine. And so in this one, they find a way to deal with Codex, who is um, 
let's see, Anne Wang's son in this dimension that they're in currently, and Eddie and Dylan from our dimension, or I guess not really our dimension, but the the normal prime Marvel universe. You mean 616. Yeah, 616. That's the number. I should really write down these numbers, but I, I always think, oh, I'll remember. But they, they're able to team up and cleanse Codex and get things all wrapped up in a nice little bow and get ready for more of the Black King saga that's coming on. And I'm, I guess the main reason I really like this issue is because I want to know what the Black King is and what's going to happen. And this is paving the way. We're getting closer. So my pick of the week is Venom number 30. All right. And I will finish it off with my pick of the week being We Live number two. This is an Aftershock comic. The first one had, we told we talked about briefly before, where there's these aliens that are coming. They're trying to save all, or start, they're trying to save a portion of humanity. Like, hey, you survived all these extinctions, but no, this there's a real one coming up that will truly wipe you all out. But we will send little wristwatch things that will bond to your arm that you, that will go to kids, and then each kid is allowed to have one guardian to, or one escort with them, so that way they can humanity can live on but in space and this one is them trying to get to the outpost where they will get willingly abducted <laughs> i don't yeah. know or saved. rescued or saved yeah and they are trying to get to that checkpoint before time runs out so they can actually escape and one of the guardians of one of the kids does something really stupid and it costs a lot of it puts them in jeopardy yeah no, no spoilers yeah, it, it, there's a price that is paid, and it was like there's one character that was like, "Oh, that I was not expecting this to happen," yeah. and yep. yeah, it was just for me the ending was a little jarring. Like I had to reread it a second time because the first time I read it, I was like, "Am I missing pages?" Like it That's just what jumped. I but then I once I reread, it, I was like, "Okay, no, now I see. Now that I know where it was going. I see where it is going." Yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, "Wait, did I thought the same thing?" I'm like, "Am I missing pages right. here?" But it. Yeah, once you, yeah, the second read, I was able to follow it. Yeah, I, I'm glad it wasn't just me at first. I was like, well, maybe I was distracted with something going on, and I just I did, couldn't read it. But no, I'm glad I'm not the only person that it felt like the last four pages seemed like boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. And it didn't say like five minutes later or anything like that. It just jumped. Yeah, for me, I, when I was reading it, I didn't feel like I was missing anything, but I did feel like it was a sharp change. Yeah. And I just knew like, oh, yeah, that makes sense for what just happened. Boom. That just happened. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. This it's we're two issues in. I've enjoyed it so far with issues. Yep, I'm I ready to put this to, on my poll list. I think it needs to be on our poll list, which I thought it was, which makes me sad that we almost missed this. The the artwork too is very yeah, it's pretty it's very good. pretty. Yeah. It's a very for a post for I'd say post apocalyptic during the apocalypse or yeah. It's Current a very apocalypse. well. They've survived <laughs> other apocalypses, it seems. So, oh yeah, I guess because they're like through in an inhabited zone. Yeah. So. If nothing else, a dystopian <laughs> future, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I'll go definitely go with that. But it is very pretty. And, yeah, like, the yeah, bright even, colors. Even the evil things are pretty, which is probably why they're yeah. so dangerous. So yeah, that is we live number two. Oh, and the QR codes, they're still, in the first one we mentioned, there's music that goes along with it. I love anything that comes with music. I and this forgot has those about codes. those. Yeah, I wanted to check those out, and I forgot about them. Take this one. So, oh, no, I've got, <laughs> I've, I bought the issue myself. So. Okay, good. 
All right. So with that, we'll move on to our heroes of the week. Dang it. I was supposed <laughs> to think about that. I got so caught up in these other things. And both of you guys forgot this time. So why don't you yep. go first? So I'll go first because <laughs> I, I remembered and I do have one. Uh, my hero of the week is going to be my friend, Jonathan Bacon. Yes, his last name is truly Bacon. Um, he's my hero of the week because he we just bought a PS5 and we need a new TV to go along with it. And he gave me recommendations and helped us out and we ordered it and was able to pick it up today. It's waiting to be plugged in and everything once I get done editing this podcast. So, Bacon, you are my hero for this week. I don't know if you'll listen to it or not, but you should. Everyone, else, everyone, should, should, everyone should listen to it. So... Yeah, that is my hero of the week. We'll post it on his Facebook wall later. Yeah, we'll tag him or Twitter. <laughs> tag his uh, streamers. He is a Twitch streamer also. So if you like to watch video games played, I play with him usually when he streams. So that's the Bacon Experience on Twitter and Twitch. And when we earn enough points, we make him feed his cat treats. Yes, there's one option where he, you can earn points and you can do kitty treats. So his cats will appreciate viewers cashing on that also. So who's going next for their Hero of the Week? I I, I'd mind. I'm ready. I can make something up quick. Um, I think, even though I forgot his name, looking at the stack of comics in front of me, my hero, I think, should be Roger from the Spider-Woman um, series, who was the porcupine villain who became reformed. I feel like he is my hero because he came in and saved Spider-Woman from, I feel like, it's kind of a mistake. Mistake. not exactly a mistake but like i feel like he made her choice to have a a baby and be a single mom less awful because he stepped up and was like i will help you raise this child when you can't make it home i will be there to make sure this kid gets fed gets taken care of like he's a good dad to a baby that's not even his own at all and he stepped up and is a hero all right jared i'm gonna go you. with nightwing this time uh, just because they really showed how skilled he is at fighting in this issue. They it also showed, showed the cost of being a hero, too. Yeah, they showed the cost of being a hero, the sacrifices you have to make. Um, but it was true Dick Grayson fashion. He was in mid-fight just talking away constantly. And the joke he makes, I I found it really funny. <laughs> so the, the joke he made from... Batman issue 55 that was cut off when he got shot in the head. He actually finishes the joke in this issue. It was, so, it was a good pun. It was worth it was the a wait. Good, it was a good pun. I mean, it was a corn. It was corny as all get out, but it was funny. It, it needed to be corny, though. Oh, yeah. It's Dick Grayson. If it wasn't corny, it wasn't a Dick Grayson joke. Exactly. So with that, we'll say thank you for listening. Um, you're looking up something. Do you have anything else? Oh, or? I just double-checked that Roger was his name. <clears throat> okay. It was Roger. <laughs> All right, cool. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, follow us on, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Buy stuff from our store if you want, please. Uh, share the podcast. Have more people listen to it. Because the more people that listen to it, the more motivated I am to keep editing this. So, and it's a rough edit this week because I made some mistakes, people. There, mistakes were made, but that's life. So, and, and yeah, so thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time.